result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Hello, my little thunder cunts, and welcome back to another episode of Pulse Pounding. I am your host, Mickey Dillon, and we are trying out a new setup today and a new area of recording, and I feel weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm so used to recording in the same spot, in the same position, and I went to like sit on my couch to do it today, which was not the move. I bought the most ridiculous and uncomfortable piece of shit couch that you would ever fucking believe. I went for a leather couch, which I fucking hate, but with the pain in the ass douchebag cat, it's so much easier to clean and like get pet hair off and all that nonsense. I just have like leather cleaner and I spray it and I wipe it off and we're good. But it is the most uncomfortable piece of shit I've ever owned. So it's like a sleeper sofa. It's almost like a futon. Like it's a couch, but then it just kind of slides down open into a bed. Like the top half lays out and it is literally like you're laying on wooden boards. And I'm pretty sure that it's made out of a wood frame with not a lot of cushion. It is the most uncomfortable $1,200 piece of shit I've ever sat on in my life and I can't stand it. And before that, I had this huge like fabric sectional that had so much cushion. It was so comfortable that I actually couldn't stop fucking sleeping on it. This one I've slept on quite a few times and I wake up in the morning feeling like there's daggers throughout my body. My neck's all fucked up. It's so bad. I can't stand it. I ordered paid for and scheduled this couch to be delivered entirely through text message. I couldn't fucking believe it. As soon as I like applied for the credit card at whatever fucking furniture store I bought this from, once you get approved, they immediately text you like an actual person, not like an automated system will text you. And the guy was like, oh, I'm so and so from Ashley Furniture. And I see that you're in the market for a couch. So let me know when you're ready to place an order. And I'm like, all right, what what's the number? I picked up I picked down my couch, like I'm ready to go. And he was like, Oh, you can call or you we can just text if that's easier for you. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? So I literally sent him the SKU number and placed the order through text message. And he was explaining to me that it wasn't at their location, that it would be coming from the warehouse. So it was gonna take like up to six weeks for that. And then once he got it, he would text me for scheduling, right? So a couple weeks later, he texts me and he's like, Hey, this is whatever is fucking name was i don't know it's called bob he was bob from ashley furniture letting you know that we're ready to schedule your delivery how's wednesday between 12 and 3 and i was like okay sounds great that was the last time i ever spoke to that motherfucker until the couch was in my goddamn living room i could not believe it literally from start to finish all through text message never had to speak to anyone on the phone never had to go down there and do anything i swear to god technology is out of control who knew you could schedule delivery through a fucking text message it's absolutely wild I spent all day and night yesterday from like 11 o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night rearranging this apartment and throwing shit out and cleaning things out. I went like drawer by drawer, closet by closet, getting rid of so much shit because I am one of those people. I don't know why we're like this, but I know I'm not the only one who like holds on to things for sentimental value and maybe like a gift that someone bought you or something that's significant to an important time or a trip or whatever. That's fine. I understand that. 
but I find reasons to hold on to clothing that I no longer wear or no longer fits me for what sentimental value I don't know. But I'll be like, oh, I can't get rid of this. I wore this shirt that one time to go here. And it's, you know, that was a great memory. I still have the fucking memory, but I haven't worn the shirt since fucking 2011. Why do I still have this in a drawer or in a closet taking up space for what reason? So I promised myself that when I did this clean out yesterday, I wasn't going to allow myself to have that attitude. And I was successful. It took me four fucking ever. And I got rid of so much shit. I literally just dropped off the last two bags at the Salvation Army. And I feel 150 pounds lighter. Am I? No. I wish I was 150 pounds lighter because then I would be withering away and I would look great. But unfortunately, I am still getting fatter by the day. Why? Because I continue to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and drink vodka every night to try to cure my depression. And guess what? I still wake up fucking miserable. <laughs> miserable and with an extra fucking something on my turkey gizzard chin. You know, I can't fucking take myself sometimes. Why do we do the things we do? So after I got rid of everything and it had taken hours, I was like, oh, now I have to actually clean because my house wasn't clean. I just had extra space in the places I was looking for. So then I realized yesterday that I actually had to clean the house. That took me another fucking two and a half hours because I've neglected it for so long because I just don't care about goddamn anything except for laying on the couch and feeling sorry for myself. More on that next week. I've been trying to like get my sleep schedule in order too because I feel like part of the reason I want to die all the time. (laughs) That sounds so bad, but whatever is because on top of the fact that I'm going through shit and I'm not like feeling great right now, I'm also not sleeping well. So I'm like staying up all night, sleeping for a few hours or sleeping too late in the day and then feeling stupid and then having to like get my shit together real quick to go to work. It's just like not fun to rush. It's not fun to oversleep. It's not fun to feel like you missed out on the day. So I've been trying to like get to bed earlier. And by earlier, I'm like, oh, I should go to bed by like 1.30 or 2 so I can get up at 9. <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to bed at fucking 10 p.m. like a normal person who has to get up early in the morning. So I'm like, oh, I can't be up super late even though I have all this shit to do. So let me get everything done as fast as I can. But it's amazing how much you can accomplish when you don't fucking sleep all day on your day off because you stayed up till 6 o'clock in the morning watching reruns of the goddamn hills just to find out it is cornier than you ever remember or imagined. That show is so fucking silly. And I don't understand the mentality of us as like 14-year-olds. That's how old I was when I was watching it, where we were like, this is definitely real. I can't believe Heidi did this to Elsie. This shit is such bullshit now that I'm watching it back. It is so corny. I can't even fucking believe it. Anyway. First order of business is the Grammys. Are we late talking about this? Yes. And honestly, I debated if I even wanted to because I don't want to argue with these fucking Beyonce fans, okay? I don't know what is wrong with this hive's nest or whatever the fuck they call themselves, okay? But some of them need to seek therapy because they are unwell. The fact (laughs) that you do not know this woman personally, she doesn't know you personally, she does not give a fuck about you, I don't care what you think in your mind, and you feel that you need to attack strangers on the internet for saying that they think she may be a little bit overrated is out of control to me. So I honestly wasn't even going to talk about this, but I got some lightly, comically threatening DMs on Instagram about how I better fucking talk about the Grammys. And I responded to some of those and said that I would. So here I am. Can't skip it. 
I also don't care if I never get invited to the Rock Nation Grammy brunch, so I have no reason not to say whatever the fuck I want. I don't care. I really don't. I watched the Grammys, and when it was over, I just thought to myself, I could have thrown this entire show away this year, with the exception of the 50 Years of Hip Hop tribute. That was the most incredible performance I've seen on the Grammys in years. And I was literally like up screaming at my TV every time someone came out that I didn't expect. It was unbelievable how they got everybody to get on that stage all at once and schedules and whatever. And they got everybody there was amazing. The whole performance was excellent. Every time I thought it was over, it just kept fucking going. It was brilliant. That was the best performance I've seen on the Grammys in literally years. It was so good. Other than that, I could have thrown the whole show away. Like, I don't care about Harry Styles. Sorry. I just, it's not my thing. I don't get it. I'm not into it. I don't think like the ladies' jumpsuits are like progressive and amazing. (laughs) You know, like I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't care. I don't want to watch it. I don't listen to his music. I don't think it's whatever. It is what it is. But he did have a really incredible year as far as his career, right? So I can respect that. I really believe that the Grammys have kind of just turned into how far can we stick our heads up Taylor Swift and or Beyonce's asshole. Um, (laughs) Neither neither of which I really am obsessed with as far as their music or anything to do with them. So it's really not for me. Um, Unless we're going to go back in time to the Daydream era where Mariah Carey was nominated for all of those Grammys and did not win one for the biggest album of that year. I'm good. (laughs) If we're not going to go back in time and write that wrong, I'm going to sit this one out. Look, here's my thing with Beyonce. I've talked about this before, but, you know, let's just go into it one more time. What's another attack (laughs) from the wasp's nest? (laughs) Here come the hornets to sting me in the comments. I don't give a fuck. Say what you want. What are you going to say? I don't care. Here's my thing, right? There's two sides of the spectrum when it comes to Beyonce, and there is literally no middle or in-between. I feel like I'm alone in the in the middle, in-between section of that, okay? I am a Beyonce bisexual. <laughs> I can go either way on both sides, depending on the day, right? I think she is completely unmatched when it comes to performance. I don't think anyone in today's time, in today's music, is performing at the level that Beyonce is. I've seen a couple of her shows. I only go if it's free. <laughs> I saw her at the VMAs when she did the Lemonade album medley, and she did all the songs from that. That was an unbelievably incredible performance. It was incredible enough in person when you saw it, but visually, it didn't really make sense. It was meant for television, the way the camera was following her, all that kinds of stuff. Like The way she was moving around the stage didn't really make sense when you were watching it in person. But then when I got home and I watched it again on TV, it was the most one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. And that is just as equally props to the person who shot it. The way that that was shot was so beautiful and so well done. It's still one of my favorite performances from the VMAs. Um, I also saw the Formation Tour at MetLife. I won those tickets on the radio because like I said, I only go if it's free. I'm sorry. I'm not contributing any more money to that bitch. I'm not contributing any more money to Beyonce. She's got enough. 
And those ticket prices are out of control. They were out of control in 2016, and they're even fucking worse now. I just don't feel like I really have ever connected with the music since Lemonade. I think Lemonade is her best album, in my opinion. It's the greatest album she's ever put out. It's such an incredible concept. The visuals were amazing. I played that album out like you wouldn't fucking believe. And everybody that I knew was like, really? Because <laughs> I'm not one to continuously go back to a Beyonce album, but whatever. It was amazing. I loved it. I don't feel like this album did that for me. There's a couple songs that I like. Um, I loved Alien Superstar. I love America Has a Problem. Break My Soul as the single was like, I was praying to God that the entire album was going to go in that direction. Anyone who knows me or listens to this show knows that I've been fighting for a resurgence of 90s dance music in the mainstream in the way that everybody was doing like the 70s sound for a while. And then we moved into like the 80s resurgence. I'm waiting for the 90s club music to really come back. And there are some artists who have put out some songs that sound like that. But it hasn't taken over in the sense that it becomes the new trend. And I was really hoping that this album was going to do that and like start that fire. And then all the girls were going to follow along. And that's not what I got. And that's fine. I just think that a lot of the music is written by 65 people. And it's very remedial lyrically. I don't think that there's anything spectacular that stands out to me as far as a message. And I think that she's better at doing that with the visuals and the performances. And it ties into like more of a meaning when you see it explained more so than when you listen to it. And again, this is just my opinion. Whatever. I think I'm genuinely confused at the outrage, right? So if you've been living under a rock, Beyonce was nominated for a bunch of awards, three of which she won, one of which was album of the year that she didn't win. Record of the year, I believe she was nominated for as well. And that went to Lizzo instead, which nobody was upset about. It was specifically album of the year. And I just feel like I don't understand it. I don't understand what the big deal about the Grammys is anymore. Like the Grammys are decided on by a bunch of old people that sit in a fucking room and think that they're going to tell everyone what was relevant artistically and culturally throughout the year by making, a, I don't even know how it works anymore, honestly. I don't remember. Is it voting? Do they sit around and vote? I'm like, I don't know, but it's not fan voted. It's not decided by the people who consume the product. So what does it matter? You know, like, I'm just very confused by people who still get outraged by the Grammys getting it quote unquote wrong, right? I think the last time I was upset about that was 2020 when they didn't nominate The Weeknd for a single Grammy during the After Hours album era when Blinding Lights was literally the biggest song of the year in the entire world. Numbers-wise, you couldn't get anywhere without hearing it. You, you just couldn't get away from it. He didn't get nominated for a single Grammy. He was pissed. I was pissed. And I think that's when I decided. I always had kind of felt this way, but I was like, fuck the Grammys. You know, like, I like to watch it. I like to see the performances. But who really cares who they give what award to? Like, what significance does that have? Because it doesn't have any to me. At the end of the day, that album, After Hours, meant so much to me and so many other people, especially during like everyone had, I guess, like a quarantine album. And that was mine, you know, like it was supposed to come out beforehand. It didn't. It got pushed back. It came out in March and it kind of like got me through it, you know, that and Lady Gaga's album, Chromatica. That was fun, too. But I feel like him not getting nominated for a Grammy didn't change the significance that the album had to me or the significance that what he was doing had culturally. It didn't 
changed the significance of what that did for music and how everyone kind of followed the trend to try to make similar sounding music afterwards. Like, it just didn't change any of that. The facts are the facts. The numbers are the numbers. What about the Grammys would have changed that? You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know. The little trumpet trophy doesn't make sense to me anymore. I grew up as a kid thinking that that was a symbol of artistic excellence and that the only people who won Grammys were like the most coveted artists and the most successful artists and the artists who stood for something. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. And I think that we as a society have outgrown award shows, if that makes sense. I don't think it should matter anymore. I think that how you connect to your fans as an artist and what your music does for those people is way more important than a golden trumpet that was decided on by a bunch of old men in a room. I don't know. It just feels like outdated to me. So I didn't understand the outrage. Harry Styles wins album of the year and the internet loses its fucking mind. The first thing they lost their mind about is that it wasn't Beyonce. Okay. You are not team players. You have obviously never played a team sport where you lose and you don't scream and throw a tantrum. Okay. Because you could visibly and audibly feel the outrage (laughs) in the crowd. You could hear the screaming. It was ridiculous. Grow up, sit down, and get the fuck over it, okay? The second problem on the internet was Harry Styles saying, this doesn't happen to people like me. I do not understand what is going on in the world. And coming from myself, a generation where growing up as a homo, we were trying to move away from labels and feeling like we were being segregated and looking for opportunities. And when I say we, I mean, we all felt that in a different way. I felt that as a gay person. I know that people of different races felt that for their own people. You know what I'm saying? We all felt that in some way. And I feel like we were collectively trying to move towards something that was more equal and more inclusive and had more opportunity. Because even from my perspective, growing up wanting to be in the entertainment industry, I would look at things and be like, well, there's not really that many opportunities or places to fit on television, in cinema, in music, if you are openly gay and if you are not the stereotype. You know, like the characters and the people that I would see in movies and on television were so far one way of the spectrum and so over the top flamboyant, which there isn't anything wrong with. But we talk about all the time now how representation matters. And I feel that anything I had seen previously, I didn't feel represented or depicted properly in any of those things. And that's fine because I don't need to be represented in a television show on ABC to feel that my way of being and way of living is valid or okay. Like I feel that way anyway. But I also just happen to be like a confident, comfortable person. So I don't really need that shit. But I don't feel like I've ever seen it until recently. And even recently, it's far and few between. You know, there was that really great show with Neil Patrick Harris on Netflix. What was it called? Um, Uncoupled. And he goes through a breakup after a really long term relationship. And he's in his 40s, I think. Is it late 40s? I don't know. On the show. And he like doesn't understand this world of like Tinder and dating apps and grinder and hookup culture and open relationships. And he's like so confused and so turned off by all of it that he just wants to like crawl in a hole somewhere and die. And I feel the same way like that I related to, but that doesn't come around often. So I feel like to go back to my point, 
coming from this generation where we were trying to not separate ourselves and create more opportunities and ditch labels, right? Like the big thing in the 2010s was nobody wanted to be labeled. And now everybody wants to be labeled. Everybody wants to hang on and claim these labels all of a sudden. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I feel like the fact that we have to make everything now in pop culture and in society about what box you're fitting into, whether you're black, whether you're Latino, whether you're transgender, whether you're non-binary. We just there's all these boxes that everybody wants to jump into and cling onto and scream from the rooftops. It just doesn't make sense to me because not every situation calls for that and not every situation does that matter in. Does that make sense? So for me, when I was watching Harry Styles, who I don't know from a hole in the wall other than he was in One Direction, he went solo, and he had a really crazy year career-wise. He had a huge album, which sold incredibly. He did an incredible tour, sold out like 15 nights at Madison Square Garden. Like, I don't even care about him, and I know that. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't escape what he was doing this year. You just, whether you liked it or not, it was in your face all the time, you know? And for me, even if I don't really love or care for an artist, I still respect that and feel happy for them that they're achieving, you know, like, especially when you're not at the level as someone as a Beyonce or an Adele or a Lady Gaga or Janet Jackson, whoever you want to talk about, right? When you're not at that level and your career is kind of like just taking you to the point where it's looking like you might be on your way, you know? It makes me feel good for those people and excited for them. And what that must feel like to them is so incredible. So he gets on stage and says that this doesn't happen to people like him often. And everyone on Twitter and the rest of the internet lost their minds and just immediately decided that he doesn't deserve to say something like that. How dare you say that you're a white man? Things like this happen to people like you all the time. But that's not really what he was talking about. So again, I don't know much about Harry Styles. But I understood from watching his speech and knowing a little bit about where he's come from that things like this don't really happen to people like him very often in the sense that he comes from a small town in England and then went on to a reality show and then was in a boy band. And out of the five people, was it, in One Direction, he was the Justin Timberlake. He was the breakout star. He was the Beyonce of the group. And he goes on to have this incredibly wildly successful solo career on, what is he, on album two? Album one was pretty big as well, but album two was like into the stratosphere. So things like that don't happen to people like him very often. The fact that he was discovered off of a reality show and put into this group that ended up becoming a fucking phenomenon in whatever 2013, whatever year it was, was lucky enough. And then to come out of that and go on to be super successful on his own and be taken seriously from a reality show and from a boy band as a serious artist who makes music and, and puts out visuals that have something to it, a little bit of substance, you know, that doesn't happen to people like him often. That doesn't happen to those kinds of people often. It's more common that someone who comes from a reality talent competition or a boy band is like laughed at when they try to do something a little more serious, you know, or move away from the bubblegum pop gimmicky bullshit. They're not taken seriously by people in the music industry. So how does that not make sense to people? How does it automatically go from what he meant, which was that, to you're disrespecting Black people and Latin people by acting as if you don't have more opportunities because you're white? But that wasn't the point. 
It just doesn't make sense to me how it all goes back to that. So now Beyonce doesn't win album of the year. And now we're talking about how it's disrespectful to her because she's a black woman. And that was confusing to me as well, because I'm seeing all these comments and all these videos about how it's not right to call her overrated or not give her what she deserves because she's been around since the 90s. And she was the only black girl who was competing with the white girls in pop, which is the most disrespectful opinion I've ever heard towards Janet Jackson. Like, can we just talk about that for a second? Anyone who claims that Beyonce is the first of anything in pop music, in mainstream music to do as a black woman immediately needs to apologize to Janet Jackson because Janet Jackson's legacy is unmatched, unparalleled. And what she did in the time that she did as a black female in mainstream popular music set the bar and pave the way for the girls that are doing it today. Does that make sense? The same way Madonna did it for pop in general. Janet did it for pop in general, but specifically for black women in music in, in that kind of genre, Janet Jackson has broken so many molds and really opened doors for other women. So I feel like it's very discrediting a lot of the things I hear said about Beyonce to Janet Jackson. And I don't think that's right. I think we should be talking a lot more about what Janet has done for the music industry and for different kinds of women. It doesn't make sense to me that everyone is upset that she didn't win album of the year when in that night she won three Grammys, which made her the most awarded artist in Grammy history. She now has more Grammys than any other artist in history. Is that not in itself enough of an accomplishment? Some of the greatest vocalists and the greatest artists in history have less than 10 Grammys. Janet Jackson, Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston has like six or seven Grammys. Does that sound justified to you? Because it doesn't to me. Mariah Carey, I think she has like six. Um, Celine Dion, less than 10. Michael Jackson has 15. But if you think about Michael Jackson's career over how many fucking decades he was dominating the music industry, what he did for culture in general, aside from pop culture, Michael Jackson's one of the greatest artists in history. And he has 15 Grammys. How many albums? How many sales? Thriller, the biggest selling album of all time when you actually had to go out and buy music. It didn't count because you clicked your phone and played the song a couple times. It, it just doesn't make sense to me how so many artists in history are not, quote unquote, given what they deserve. But now that it's Beyonce, because you've decided that she's the greatest thing that's ever happened, it's cultural injustice and all this fucking nonsense. It just doesn't make sense to me. If you want to talk about taking things away from people, let's talk about the fact that she was nominated in the dance electronic category in general. That was not deserved, in my opinion. That album that she made, Renaissance, is great. It has electronic elements, but it's still pop. It's not an electronic album in the same way that the Odessa and the Rufus Dussault album were. And those people get one category. Those people get one category and one opportunity to win an award that is looked at as so prestigious and, and so out of reach for a lot of that music community. Do you know what I'm saying? A lot of artists in that genre don't make it to the level to be nominated or possibly win a Grammy. So to me, it felt like by putting her in that category, someone who's so huge and so obviously going to fucking sweep that award away from, from the other nominees, 
that didn't feel fair to me to those other artists. That was ridiculous. And now, what kind of message are you sending that you never televise that category because you don't think it's important enough? It's like the fucking daytime Grammys where they give away awards that aren't televised. So for the first time, are you telling me that it's a coincidence that they're televising this category now that Beyonce is nominated in it? It's not a coincidence. They did that because she was the one who was nominated and inevitably the one who was going to win. That to me feels so unfair to that entire genre of music when you have so many other opportunities and you already have fucking what, 33 Grammys, 32 before the night started. That just doesn't feel right to me. No one gives a fuck about that because it's not about Beyonce. It's not working to her favor to have that conversation. So that's not acceptable. And if you do have that conversation and you're not a part of a community that is looked at as marginalized and it's not enough to be gay anymore because if you're just gay and you also happen to be white, (laughs) you are not allowed to have this conversation. So if you do have that opinion and you're not part of one of those communities that they find it's acceptable to have a conversation with, then you're just a racist. If you do belong to one of those communities and you still don't have the correct quote-unquote opinion about Beyonce, they find other reasons to tell you that you're incorrect and it's inappropriate for you to say that. No matter what you do, you cannot have an opinion that is not lining up with what those other people want and what their own opinion is. Otherwise, you are somehow disrespectful and whatever kind of phobic they want to label you that day. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So my final thoughts on this are shut the fuck up about the Grammys and Beyonce. Take it as a win that she is the most awarded person in the history of the Grammys. Do I think that's well-deserved? Questionable. Whatever. And let the music and the art continue to connect to you regardless. And let that be the important part of why people are putting this stuff out there. It's, it's not for a golden fucking trumpet so they can put it on the shelf of their $26 million mansion. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? What matters is how that music makes you feel, how you receive it, what it does for you, how it changes your life. Do you know what I mean? That's what's important, not the fucking golden trumpet. So can we please move on? I'm just so tired of every single thing being about what color somebody is, what sexual orientation someone is. Oh, this person is a transgender, so they have to do It's just let people be great. And Kim Petras said it best. Kim Petras said in an interview, I don't know what interview it was or, or how long ago it was, but I know I saw it. Kim Petras did an interview where she was talking about being transgender because it's a very common subject that's brought up in interviews with her. And she said, I want to be well-liked because my music is good, because I'm putting out something that people like, not because I'm transgender. I don't want to be successful because I'm transgender. I want to be successful because I'm doing something great. And that, to me, is all-encompassing in everything we just talked about. Award people and celebrate people because they're doing something great, not because they belong to this community that you feel like has been underrepresented. That's fine. We should be giving everyone opportunities that aren't limited to being a part of a certain group, which is, you know, we're gonna, if we're going to say it's, it's white people or white men, whatever. But don't just award somebody something because of that. Award somebody something because the product that they're putting out is also really fucking great. You know, I don't know. I just think the sales, the numbers, when it comes to Renaissance, one week at number one, Break My Soul went number one when it came out and the fans 
didn't even like that song. There was a lot of shit talking going on in the Wasp's Nest. <laughs> Cuff It, I think, was the only other song that made it to the top 10 on the Billboard, and it went to number six. I mean, she didn't even outsell fucking Olivia Rodrigo with Renaissance last year. Like, what are we talking about? I, I don't understand. Harry Styles sold more albums. It was the first year he's had in his career that was huge to that level. You know, like, let him be great. W what does it matter? What does it matter that it wasn't Renaissance and it wasn't Beyonce just because you thought it should be? It doesn't make sense to me. And I, I posed the question on some sort of thread where they were talking about like the, you know, the comment about this doesn't happen to people like me or whatever, and how he was taking something away from Beyonce. And I said to the person, what is it that you want? Be clear in what you want. Is no white person who happens to be a man ever supposed to win a Grammy again? If that's your opinion, that's your opinion. But like spell out what you want. I, I don't understand what it is. Is no one allowed to be great anymore unless they belong to a group that you feel has been attacked, therefore it's serving some sort of justice for that? I don't know if, if that's your opinion. I'm just confused. I'm really confused at what it is that everyone wants. Okay, here's me in post-editing to add some things I forgot. First of all, I wanted to mention that this is not Beyonce's fault, in my opinion. Her fans and the people of the internet and the music industry, her peers, they're the lunatics with the outrage. Beyonce seems like a very kind, very humble, very grateful person. Anytime she accepts an award, no matter what it's for, she always seems gracious. She always seems grateful. And I like that about her. She seems like a very humble legend. I like that. Second of all, nobody's talking about how if anyone was robbed at the Grammys this year. First of all, in my opinion, it's Omar Apollo for Best New Artist. He should have won that hands down. But what nobody's talking about is that Bad Bunny was the biggest artist of 2022 in every aspect. So for Bad Bunny to not win Album of the Year, isn't that more of an outrage? I don't know. Just a thought. All right, let's talk about my wild night out in the city. Okay, so my best friend's birthday was at the beginning of February, and the following weekend, we went out to the city to celebrate. We took the limo into the city to the hotel because they are the bougie bitches that they are, same way we did for my birthday. And once again, I told the story when we talked about my birthday about how I had to have the limo pull over when we were like 20 minutes away because I had a pee so fucking bad. And here we go again. So before we left the house to get into the limo, I'm like, I got to go pee because the goddamn driver, we had the same driver. We used the same limo company. And when he texted us to let us know that he was almost there, he was like, hi, this is your driver, Kareem. And we were like, Kareem. We loved that motherfucker. He was so cool. So we were excited that it was the same limo driver. And at first he didn't really remember us. But then when my best friend Rachel came out, he was like, oh, I remember I picked you guys up, whatever. And he started remembering. And then he said something to me about the fact that I had to get out and fucking pee because he had to drop me off. So I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Let me get in the house and pee ahead of time because this ride is only like a fucking hour and a half to get to the city from where we are. So I shouldn't have to deal with this. We get in the limo and I'm pounding back the drinks, right? I'm drinking champagne. I'm drinking fucking White Claws. I'm doing a shot, whatever. And I'm like, it's good. I peed. We'll be good the whole way. As we're <laughs> approaching, 
the hotel that we're staying at, I start to feel the urge to pee. And I'm like, it's good. I'm going to hold it. Everything's okay. I look up the GPS. It says we're like 25 minutes away. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to make it. We're on a goddamn bridge. We're not even close. I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I'm going to piss my pants, right? So I'm trying my best not to think about it. But I don't know what's wrong with my fucking bladder. Once I get to the point where I know I have to pee and the urge gets like painful enough, I can't think about anything else. I can't distract myself. I got to go and I got to go right the fuck now. There's no bottles in this car that, that I can pee in. Like I need to get the fuck out. So like 10 minutes later, I look at the GPS again. And I'm like mapping the hotel. And it's telling me that we're still like 15 minutes away. I don't know what's going on with everyone's GPS at this point, but it's like a mass fucking conspiracy theory because everyone's phone said like 15, 17 minutes away. So I'm like, I'm really sorry to do this again, but you got to pull over and let me the fuck out because I need to be bad or it's going to happen in this limo. So he lets me out, right? And I'm like, I'll walk to the rest of the way to the hotel. Like, I'll meet you guys there. And I get out and I'm looking around at where I can go pee because it's the middle of the fucking day. It's like 5 o'clock, 5.30, broad daylight. I can't just pee on the side of the fucking road. We're in the middle of Chelsea on like a regular street. So I see a flower shop across the street. There's a ton of flower shops in Chelsea, and I didn't know that. And then I looked at the sign on the street, and it said like flower district or some shit. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. There's literally 17 florists (laughs) in this one little block. So I go in and I'm like, can I please use the bathroom? Like, I really got to use the bathroom. It's a fucking emergency. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, which is a miracle in New York City, a miracle in New York City, because normally they're like, get the fuck out or buy something. Or in certain places, even if you buy something, you still can't use the restroom. So the guy was like, just don't pee all over. And I was like, um, uh, that's not going to happen. I'm confused by that statement, but I guess that happens more times than not. So I pee, I walk out, I'm like, I feel great. I literally turn to my left and I look down the street. And before the next block, I see the limo pulled over on the side of the street and everybody's like getting out and grabbing their bags. I'm like, is this the fucking hotel? We literally were like four doors down. <laughs> from the moxie hotel in chelsea when i got out to pee because for some reason my iphone maps was telling me that driving distance we were still 15 minutes away and i specifically looked because i know there's multiple moxie hotels but it was the one in chelsea and it told me it was like 15 minutes driving and then someone else looked it up on their phone and it said the same thing so the whole time I could have just gotten out and peed in the lobby and not caused a fucking scene for myself, but whatever. So we checked into the hotel. We had the idea that we were going to get ready and then like wear something comfortable and bring our outfits, but like hair, makeup done, ready to go so we could get to the hotel, have a couple drinks, change, and then go to dinner. So that's what we did. We went to dinner at this place called Elmo in Chelsea. I had been there once before for drinks a bunch of years ago because that place has been around forever. But I swear that they've kind of renovated and made it nicer because I remember the last time I was there, I wasn't as impressed as I was this time. The food at Elmo. If you are in New York and you have not been to Elmo, go to that fucking restaurant. The food is absolutely incredible. It is so good. Everything everyone had, because you know, once I realized the food was good, I had to taste everyone's fucking food. So I had penny al vodka. I had fried chicken, which is what I ordered with like this dope gravy and mashed potatoes. My brother had a steak. I ate some of that. It was absolutely incredible. Everything I had there was so good. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So then we go downstairs from Elmo to their like private 
speakeasy bar, which is called the Kobe Club. So I made us a reservation there because anywhere you go with 10 people in the city, I don't care what night of the week it is, you're not getting in without a fucking reservation. So we went down there and it's all like 1920s themed. It's got like a little bit of an Asian flair to it as far as the decor. It's super dark. It was so amazing. And then they have like these burlesque dancers come out and she was kind of stripping down to nipple tassels and whipping her titties around. And no one really knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen because like when I called, they had talked about that they do like a burlesque night or something. Um, But I didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. So this bitch just came fucking running out with her titties out. And I loved every second of it. That place was dope. We had drinks there. It wasn't even honestly super expensive for 10 people. And they don't make you like reach a minimum or like pay ahead or anything like that. Because a lot of places in the city will do that. So that was great. You can just make a reservation like it's a restaurant and then show up order what you want or, you know, however much, how little, it doesn't matter. So that place was awesome. Also would recommend that. So after that, we went back to the Moxie Hotel in Chelsea because I had booked us a table at this place called the Fleur Room. I still don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I've been trying to figure out the exact correct way to pronounce it so I didn't sound like a fucking idiot when I talked about it. And normally I'll just call places, right? Like if you don't know how to say a beer, you call the brewery. If you don't know how to say a wine, you call the fucking vineyard. If you don't know how to say a product, you call the company, wherever their storefront is, you know, and they'll just answer the phone with the name of it. And that's how you avoid looking like an asshole. But this place doesn't answer the phone. I'm pretty sure it's part of the Tau group. So when you call, it just says the Tau group. So nobody will help me pronounce the Fleur Room. And by the time I got there, I was too drunk (laughs) to remember how they pronounced it when we walked in. Let me tell you something. This is the best place as far as clubs in New York City I've ever been. First of all, it was absolutely the best idea to stay at that hotel because once we got back, we went to the room and then we went up to the club. And then once we were done, we came right back down to the room. There was none of this getting an Uber. There was none of this getting yourself home, take the train at fucking four o'clock in the morning. Clubs in New York City are a fucking nightmare. It doesn't matter if you have a table. It doesn't matter if you go general admission. It's oh, There's always an issue. The last time when we went to Marquee, it was an issue with we had an eight-person table. They brought us to our table, and it was the tiniest... fuck. It looked like the size of my fucking coffee table, okay? And we were like, this isn't going to work, so they brought us to a bigger table. It's always some kind of issue at a New York City club. It's too many people. It's too much nonsense. It's too much wanting to act like fucking pretentious like it it just it doesn't matter how much money you spend if you're not a fucking celebrity they're gonna treat you like you're a piece of shit every interaction at the floor room with the staff from start to finish was so seamless nobody could have been more helpful everyone there was super friendly it was the best fucking vibe if you have not been there i 100 recommend that you go to the floor room the views are unbelievable so it's on the top floor of the moxie hotel in chelsea Obviously, they have the Magic Hour rooftop, but on the floor below that is the Fleur Room. So they've got two sides to the club. There's one that's more like a lounge style. And then the other side on Friday and Saturday nights is like a club-like experience. They have a DJ and, you know, the lights and the whole thing. It's literally a club all the way up in the sky. And there is just like floor-to-ceiling windows behind the booths all around of the skyline. The Empire State Building, you feel like you can fucking reach out and touch it. It was the best night we've had in such a long time. The only guy who could go fuck himself was the bathroom attendant, okay? I don't know what crawled up his ass that night, (laughs) but he was such a fucking dickhead. 
even when the waitress like walked us over to the bathroom because most places will like take you to the bathroom if you're part of a table and kind of like let you skip the line and this guy was just such a douche to the waitress that was helping us i don't is that what they call them waitress uh table attendant i don't fucking know is there a name for the bottle girls at the club i'm not really sure she was the best she was awesome shout out to christina she was hot as fuck as well um so he was kind of a dick to her and he was just losing his mind the whole night and then my best friend rachel was like super drunk at one point and she was like telling the other guy what a rude bitch he was and i looked at her and i was like you know sometimes you have to do that thing with your drunk friends and be like all right come on enough nobody cares like he doesn't care i don't care let's fucking go and she's like i'm not finished (laughs) she was like hell-bent on telling one of the bathroom line attendants about how rude the other one was, even though they're listening to a bunch of drunk people yell at them on a Saturday night in New York City nonstop and they don't give a fuck. 10 out of 10 for the Fleur Room. If you haven't been there, get a table. I recommend it. It's the best experience. If you go with enough people, it's really not that expensive, like based on whatever the minimum is. If there's a $2,000 minimum at a table and you split that between 10 people, it ends up being the same amount of money you would have spent on fucking drinks all night anyway. And you have your own section, your own area and room to put your shit down. It just makes so much more sense as an old man going to clubs now, which is not that often. But when I do, it makes the most sense. I don't want to be in that packed crowd like a fucking sardine. I don't want to be holding on to my shit in the winter. It's fucking winter. You're wearing a coat. You've got a bag. You've got shit with you. Like, I don't want to hold on to my shit and be stuffed in a crowd. I'm out to dance and have a fucking sick time. I don't want to be all bulked up, you know? So the best part of the table is that I can throw my coat in the corner and nobody's going to fucking bother you. So I am dancing on the table all fucking night. Well, on the booth, you know what I mean? But I am on top of the chair, shaking my ass all fucking night. At one point, (laughs) the girls next to us start throwing money at me. And I was literally living my stripper fantasy. The DJ was incredible. He was so good the whole night. That's another thing about when you go to New York City clubs. Like you have to pick the right spot because are you going to get a dope DJ that plays the best shit? Or are you going to get someone who fucking sucks? He played the best mix of like, fun current stuff, uh, Spanish music, which like I'm not interested in going out unless they're going to have a portion of the night where they're playing some fucking Spanish music. I want to shake my ass to it. I don't know what the fuck they're saying, but I love it. The beat is good. Great throwbacks, like 90s, 2000s throwbacks. The DJ was a 10 out of 10. I loved every second of it. At one point, (laughs) my best friend's mom is wearing this like feather poncho over her outfit and why they put real candles on the table of a club is beyond me drunk people dancing around we already can't keep the ice in the bucket or the liquor in the bottle or you're you're drinking your cups why they thought it was a good idea to have real candles lit on these tables is beyond me her fucking feather ponchos flopping around everywhere and we start smelling this like burning plastic And we're like, what's that smell? And we're looking around and the the bottle girl looks down and sees that Rachel's mom is on fire. Her feather poncho is on fire and she starts like slapping it. Oh, my God. She put out the fire right on her body. And I'm like yelling, stop, drop and roll. (laughs) Because when someone's on fire in a club who I'm with, I think it's funny to start making jokes, obviously, because it's me. So she was on fire. So now we're reaching like almost four o'clock in the morning and everyone is exhausted. We've had my birthday celebration in December. 
and now Rachel's birthday celebration in February, and we are fucking old, okay? My brother's 21, and her younger sister's 23. I'm 30. Rachel's now 30. Her mom, we won't even say her age. (laughs) And her older sister just turned 31. We are old bitches, okay? We can hang with the best of them. We can party all night. We can down the drinks. We can hold our alcohol. But at some point, it has to come to an end. My legs hurt. We had been drinking since like fucking one o'clock in the afternoon. So we were all done. I'm wasted. Now, I was drunk at my birthday, but I have not been on this level in a very long time. I was fucked up. And I'm not the person who's going to like fall over, be sloppy or like black out. I don't understand how that happens to people. I don't know what kind of sorcery they involve themselves in. I'm good. I'm just fucked up. So I have the bright idea that I want to go to the diner because now I'm starving, even though we had just eaten previously at like nine (laughs) o'clock. I decided it's a bright idea to go to the diner. Everyone's like drunk and in. We go back to the rooms. We lose a couple people who don't want to go to the fucking diner. Rachel's younger sister is very emotional because she's going through a breakup and now she's drunk. So she's upset. We're like dealing with that. And then I'm like, this is fun, but also I'm really hungry. So who's going to stay and monitor the situation? And who's going to go to the diner and get some fucking pancakes? (laughs) Because I am hungry. So we go with our smaller group to the diner. We get in the Uber. And do you ever make like a drunk decision where something sounds like a really good idea? And as soon as you're on your way to do it, you realize how fucked up you are and it all catches up to you. And you're like, why did I ever make this choice? Why did I think this was a good idea and something I should do? That is what happened to me as soon as I closed the door of the Uber and started pulling away. I'm in the front seat of the Uber in order for us to fit. And I swear I like slid the door closed and I looked at him and he started to drive. And I thought to myself, why the fuck am I here? Why the fuck am I not in bed asleep? I don't care how hungry I am. I do not need this. I got to that diner and into those bright lights and I wanted to immediately die. I sat down at the table. I ordered some kind of omelet and french fries that I never ate. I took like three bites and the whole plate just sat there the entire night. And then I fell asleep on the table. At some point, I realized that I was so fucked up that I didn't need to throw up. I didn't feel like I was going to get sick. But in my mind, I was like, if I do throw up, this will probably be way less severe in the morning. (laughs) So we should just do that. So I excused myself to the bathroom of the diner and forced my hand down my throat, made myself throw up, and then went back to the table like nothing happened and laid down on my arms and fucking fell asleep. All while I didn't realize that the microphone, I brought my mini microphone along, which looks like a little mushroom dick, was still on the table recording. (laughs) So let's turn it over to the drunk crowd in the diner at 4.30 in the morning and see what we had to say. Mind you, you're going to listen to the situation where we had to find Rachel's friend Bridget's jewel (laughs) because it had apparently gone missing. And you hear about it in the hotel before we leave, but we really ramp up the search as we're in the diner trying to eat and trying to exist as super drunk people, which is never good, to the point where we had to send out a search party by phone to find out if it was, in fact, charging (laughs) in the hotel room. Honestly, Darlene Ragone was on fire at the club. How do you feel that you were on fire? I smelled burning, and I had no idea who the fuck was burning. And it was you, bitch, your feathers. 
Peacock. Peacock. Bro. Yeah? Did you know who was on fire when you smelled it? No. I said, something's burning. I know, and then they said, it's Darlene. And they said, Darlene's feathers were on fire, and I had no idea. I could have died without knowing right in that club. Yeah. Come in this room. This is the fun room. Let me see if my... Man purse. Please, this is not mine. This is not where my stuff is. Who cares? Hello? Are you crying? Rihanna. Rihanna, she's with Rachel. You're you're high. You're high. She's with Rachel. What's this? There's always a cat. Darlene Ragone was on fire in the club. She was on fire. Feathers were on fire, and I had no idea. And I love her so much. I'm drunk. But only like it's not a joke anymore. My hinges are at home. My hinges are home. Rihanna Ragone. Why are you crying? I actually love my family, and my family is really all over the place. Rihanna, you're crazy. She's with your other sister, having the time of her life. The only person who's upset is you. You just made out with a strange, hot British man. I don't care. I still feel bad about it. Rihanna, every one of us would have sucked his dick. Bridget, right? I don't Every one of us would have sucked his dick, that British man. I would have licked his anus, actually. I don't even do that. I would have put his ass on my face, and I don't even do that. Okay, be careful. Sam? Oh, shit. Oh, I was so scared. That was you came out of nowhere. Did you see me over there? No, I didn't. I was like, where are you? I was coming from the ceiling. Honestly, I'll kill I thought I saw it. My charger's gone to in our room. Bridget plugged it in and charged her jewel. Sitting there. So when we get back to the hotel, it's going to be If somebody could call. My charger's gone to. No. No, it's on the wall. No, I know. Call what? Continental breakfast? No, call our family. Call your mother. Wait till Raquel knows it's in the wall. We saw it. Okay, I'm going to ask her. Why are you trusting my judgment? I'm not. always right. I'm asking her because this is my friend's jewel, and jewels are important. You're lying, being selfish. Jewels are important. 
If you didn't have I your cigarettes, like you'd be upset. I to throw out everything over here. I know, but we all have dual. Everything well. No, you don't. Hey, can you check the wall in the room to make sure that there's a jewel on the charger? Okay, do you want me to call the other room? I'll call you back. What? I'll call the other room. I remember plugging my jewel in. Oh. Okay, what? They're you sleeping? Don't know where. You didn't plug it in. Who's that? My room. Okay. Who's that? Guys, if I take my eyelashes off, it's going to look really bad. Spooky. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. All right, I'll call you back. Bye. Woo! Coffee. Love coffee. <laughs> Riri. Thank you. Hi. Can you just really click? It's, it's really important. Can you just check if there is something in charge charging on the wall? Uh, like like a jewel. Like a cigarette jewel. It's in our bedroom. On the wall charging. Like plugged into any wall. Get it. It's a it's, it's charging the on the wall. <laughs> Brianna's waking Brianna's like, Anthony, wake up. Wait, wait, she's yelling at him right now. Anthony, can you wake up and take this phone call? <laughs> can you take this phone call? She's asking him if he could take this phone call right now. Hey, hey, so sorry to wake you up. I'm just really quick. Can you just so sorry? Can you, can you, can you, can you, I'm gonna kill my We plugged in a jewel. Shut the fuck up. Can you oh can you see if there's a plugged in charge into the wall? Any of the walls, really quick. It's very How many walls are in one room? We're very, we have a very upset customer. <laughs> <laughs> we work for Jewel. And <laughs> we have, it, oh my God, it's all green. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's, it's all green. It's charged. It's charged and ready for us to come home. Okay. That's all we needed to know. Fuck Thank off. Thank you so much, sir. Bye. Shall I hang up the He's phone? He's very upset. Uh, me I'm too. Very <laughs> 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 it's in the green. <laughs> he got up out of bed. Okay, Rihanna. Rihanna goes. Anthony, can you take this call? <laughs> because jewels are red, orange, and green. Like for the battery. Yes, for the battery. Uh, and green means go. Green means you're good, you're good bitch. Can't it's wait gone. to smoke it. I'm so excited to smoke. Now I have gook in my eyes with eyelash. I never really thought about that, like, you know, all these people, like, like, against fur coats and, like, grow pee mm -hmm. Oh, like fuck that. them. No, but I wonder. Fuck them. feathers kind of like this. Fuck those thing. bitches. Yeah. Do you think the, yeah. Like, no, because you, you can pluck a, a bird. No, you can pluck a bird without going without without like in. Yeah. Oh, this is Sam's, this is Sam's fault. Sam. Yeah. Yeah, they will You made me smoke the joint. I didn't make you smoke. You said, if you don't smoke that joint, I'll kill everyone you love. <laughs> no, that sounds like an And I said, all right, fine. Bro, I'm wasted. I haven't been this drunk in so long. But that would be the We need to eat and go home. And then I would try to eat the meat or something. I'll got to shower. Why do you have to shower? Don't tell me what to do. You're not even staying in our room. I'm fine. Fair enough. Okay, the food's gonna come out. Darlene, don't be rude to them. They'll spit it's in my It's literally coming omelet. out right now. They'll spit my omelet. It's coming out right now. And they'll say, "Fuck you, faggot ass bitch." Actually, I can't wait to eat my omelet. Oh my they will, cause this is New York, and that's how people talk. 
Nobody's offended. Is that by an egg? Sit on them and hatch them. What? What does everyone want from me? I am drunk. Leave me alone. Okay. I feel so good with my eyes closed. <laughs> the parts where they're screaming because they find out that the jewel is green, which means it's charged, is unbelievable to me. I was listening to this a couple days later when I finally remembered that I had some recordings. And I just didn't remember a bunch of the shit that I said. I was like, when the fuck did I say that? Where did that come from? Who gives a shit about this? Not me. That shit really cracked me up. It was a wild fucking night. And then we woke up the next day and I couldn't even believe how good I felt. I felt tired, but I did not at all feel sick or like I was going to die. It's probably because my go-to thing is to A, shower before I go to bed. No matter how drunk I am, I almost always take a shower. If I wake up the next day and I didn't shower or like wash my face, get the gel out of my hair, the fucking concealer off my face, the regrets of the night off of my body, potentially, <laughs> you know, I'm in bad shape. You know, it's fucking over if I wake up and I hadn't taken a shower before I went to bed, because no matter what time it is or how fucked up I am, there will always be a quick shower before I get in bed. It just makes me feel good before I go to sleep. You know, I'm such a nighttime showerer and I can't be like, out sweating and dancing and feeling gross and then just like jump in bed even if the bed isn't mine so i did take a really fast shower and i remember i was screaming out of the bathroom because it's a new york city hotel it's only inches from the bed to get in the shower so i was yelling at everybody we had like these really cool bunk beds in the room it was like different levels of like four or five bunk beds so we all just like piled in there it was so much fun and I was screaming at everybody from the shower about God knows what. So I woke up the next morning. I realized I had showered. And then my other thing I do before I go to sleep when I'm super drunk is pop a Tylenol or an Advil or four and down a bottle of water. I didn't have any liquid IV on deck. And honestly, the flavors that I had had in the day from Rachel's sister were so disgusting that I'm like, if I drink that fruit punch flavored liquid IV bullshit, I am going to vomit again. So when I realized when I woke up that I had showered and I had had a bottle of water and a couple Tylenol before I went to bed, I was like, oh, we're going to be good. I woke up feeling fucking great and ready to go. So we went to get some coffee. We had some breakfast before we headed back. Um, I was briefly almost assaulted by a crazy, possibly homeless man out of bodega. But that's a story for another time. I was trying to hold the door open for him. And I think he just was not interested in any homosexuals being in his presence. And he started saying some weird shit to me and like was trying to spit at us. I, it was very strange. I have never had a crazy interaction like that in all my years and all my times in New York City. I've never had something like that happen out of nowhere for no reason. And this man wanted to kill me. I swear to God, I couldn't wait to get home. Because the thought of sitting in that goddamn limo, the whole ride home, being as tired as I was, knowing I wasn't going to be able to fall asleep, was not the move. And that day was the Super Bowl. So we all went back to Rachel's mom's house and we just like laid on the couch and died in sweatpants and watched the Super Bowl. And obviously the only reason I'm checked into the Super Bowl is for the halftime show. If you think I give a motherfuck about football or anything around it, I don't. Mm -mm. I really enjoyed... Chris Stapleton's national anthem. I don't listen to him, but he was great. I liked like the soulful version, bluesy. Oh, so awesome. I don't think I'll be going to his concert anytime soon because his music's not really for me. It's not my style, <laughs> but that was great. 
So the whole time I'm like waiting for the halftime show to happen. I love Rihanna. I love Rihanna since forever, since as long as she's been around. I've seen her live a bunch of times. The Diamonds World Tour is one of my favorite concerts I've ever been to. It's one of the best concert intros I've ever seen. Incredible. The way she like starts out. Look it up if you haven't seen it. The intro to the Diamonds World Tour. The way she starts out in the black cape and she's just singing and then everything kind of like winds down the lights and the sounds and then the stage lights up the stage was so incredible with all those screens every time in that beginning of that in the intro more screens start popping up and elevating and like reveals more of the stage it felt like it was never ending until she finally popped out with fresh out the runway which is one of the best songs on unapologetic that whole album is fucking fire um i also saw the anti-world tour the last tour she did that album is fucking unbelievable i love rihanna i love rihanna from start to finish so i was so excited after all these years of them saying they asked rihanna to do the super bowl she turned it down nonstop for what she now revealed was 10 years i was so excited for this to finally happen and that is why i'm disappointed not because the performance was bad but it wasn't what I was looking for after all the hype, right? So when Lift Me Up came out for the soundtrack for the second Black Panther movie, they were talking about that days before. And I don't hype myself up about soundtrack music, even if it's an artist that I like, because I know it's not going to sound like their music. It's not meant for that, right? Everybody was mad when I said I was disappointed in that song because people will just praise anything. It's not that the song was bad, but it sounded like a fucking lullaby. And did we not see the interview where she said she wasn't going to put out a lullaby <laughs> because her fans would be pissed? I'm pissed. It's not that the song was bad. It's just that she's been away for so long. It puts her in a different position as far as making a comeback, right? It hasn't been one or two years since an album came out. The last album she put out was 2016. The last time she performed at the Grammys was 2000 and I think it was 19 when she came out and did Wild Thoughts. The last time we've seen her perform live other than the Fenty fashion shows, which is not actually a performance. It's just dancing. It's great nonetheless, but it's not a Rihanna performance. So for me, I feel like coming back after, what is it, six years, seven years almost of being away to come back with something that's less than spectacular is just not what I was looking for. So that song being the first we've heard of Rihanna in so many years, I felt like it was the wrong move. It wasn't what I was looking for as a fan at all. And regarding the Super Bowl, I thought to myself, after all these times of her saying no, turning it down, not doing it, this is going to be nothing less than spectacular, right? The halftime report is coming to a close. And the opening shot is literally just a zoom in close up on her face. And when I tell you, I had such a flashback to the 2007 VMAs with Britney doing Give Me More when they opened that shot on her fucking bad hair and she turns around and just makes a face and then they zoom out. I was having such a flashback to that. And I was like, oh, no, I was already pissed. Right. And then, of course, they zoom out. And you see the pregnant stomach that you believe is a pregnant stomach because she grabs it and like rubs it. But everyone in the room and everyone who was texting me was trying to figure out for the majority of the performance whether she was pregnant or not because there had been no announcement. That was the announcement. So that's what disappointed me, right? Because all of these comments and, and reflections on the halftime show after it was over 
if you're not on the side where you're absolutely praising everything that she's done, most opinions were that they were trying to figure out whether she was pregnant or not. And then they were disappointed because she wasn't performing to her maximum potential because she's obviously pregnant. She can't be doing the fucking shit she would normally be doing on stage. Now, listen, Rihanna is the kind of artist where she's going to give you everything while she's giving you nothing. She's not going to come out and do a fucking Beyonce level choreographed moment on stage. It's not her style. Her style is kind of just to be like chill. And her thing is that she's Rihanna and she doesn't give a fuck and she's got hits and she's got attitude and she's going to shake that ass a little bit for you. That's what I was looking for. So I almost would have been less upset if she had announced the pregnancy before the Super Bowl instead of myself and everyone else trying to figure out for like the first six minutes of the performance, is she pregnant or is she not? It just didn't make sense to me. I get like the cool moment to look back on that that's how you revealed your pregnancy. But again, like if she had put out an album last year or two years ago or three years ago, I would have been like, whatever. But this is a six and a half year hiatus that you're now making your first big, real comeback performance after. So I feel like that was a shit move. (laughs) For lack of better words, I feel like that was a shit move and I was disappointed. And I was disappointed because there's so many things that she couldn't do that she could have done if she wasn't pregnant, like really getting into the choreography to the best of her ability in the Rihanna style. You know, she couldn't do that. And I feel like everyone was so unbelievably blown away by the fact that she was doing so much flying through the air pregnant. You would have thought that they had her on straps like pink and they were twirling her around pregnant the way that everybody was praising it. She was standing on a fucking platform. It was visually stunning the way that they were moving the levels of the different platforms and the different angles that they shot it from. Stunning. Absolutely like visually the coolest thing I've seen when it comes to a Super Bowl halftime show. But whether you're standing on a platform on the ground, two feet in the air, or a hundred feet in the air, you're still standing on a platform. What's the difference? I don't understand the narrative of, I can't believe she was flying through the air pregnant. That's not what was happening at all. I wish that she gave us the pregnancy reveal beforehand, even if it was at the press conference a couple days before, or an Instagram post earlier in the day of the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know. Something. Because then I could have adjusted my expectations and I feel like I would have enjoyed the performance more. I feel like now that I've watched it a bunch of times, knowing that she's pregnant, I enjoyed it more. But in the moment when it came to a close and it was all done, I was like, oh, that was good. Wasn't what I was looking for, but it was good. I guess she's pregnant. I guess we're not getting a fucking album anytime soon or a goddamn tour. Kiss that goodbye. You know, like I felt like I was disappointed for so many reasons because I had such a level of expectation for the artist I know she is. And I thought like from her mentality, knowing she's been away for so long and that so much hype is around this, it was going to be like the best Super Bowl halftime show I've ever seen. And I just didn't get that. And look, I get it. Like you sign on to the Super Bowl halftime show and you're not pregnant and then you find out you are. There's nothing to do. You can't back out. It's already been announced. Contracts have already been signed. There's nothing you can do except adjust and do it to the best of your ability. I'm not knocking her for that. I just wish I knew beforehand so I wasn't expecting this superstar Rihanna performance that I didn't really get, you know? But whatever, that's that. It was great all in all. Just, you know, not exactly what I was expecting. I've had enough of everybody on TikTok and Instagram in their goddamn red suits or dressed as one of those white marshmallow dancers 
recreating the Super Bowl halftime show, specifically the Rude Boy choreography. Enough. We get it. We get it. You know how to learn choreography and perform it in front of your television in your living room. You went somewhere and got a replica of Rihanna's red outfit and you are performing it in your living room. I've seen it 400,000 times and it's literally the end of February. We're going on one month since the Super Bowl and it is still the only thing I see on my fucking feed and every comment is, yes, sis, slay. Oh my God, you slayed this amazing eight. Enough, enough. Don't you have any originality? creativity left in you do you have to do the same fucking thing everyone else is doing and do the goddamn 40 seconds of choreography from the halftime show enough no more i don't want to see it goodbye god i wish i could like block that hashtag or something are people even using hashtags anymore or am i behind what's the new thing <laughs> i feel like i should be more up to date and i should know more about this but i don't anyway fuck nuts that's all you're getting from me this week that's all i've got for you as usual if you're not following me on Instagram, it's at Mickey, not the mouse. I don't know why you would do such a thing at this point, this late in the game. Make sure you follow the podcast Instagram, which is at Pulse Pounding. And if you are on a platform such as Spotify or Apple, where you can leave a five-star review or you can write something nice about this show, I don't know why you wouldn't do such a thing. You are a rude-ass bitch if you don't. If you listen throughout this entire podcast and you are not willing to spend 30 seconds leaving a beautiful five-star review for me, I'm going to fight you <laughs> unless you're a woman and then I'll send someone else to do it for me. All right. I'll see you bitches next week. I have an idea of what I want to do next week, but I'm not going to say it in case something comes up. But I mean, I think it's finally time to explain myself and why I've been such a depressed piece of shit and what is going on in my life. And so many people have asked me questions based on my lack of posting certain things on the social media and people, you know, have figured out some of my life and I guess it's time to like share it even though I don't want to fucking talk about it but you know we got to do what we got to do that's the tone I've set <laughs> for this goddamn podcast so let's spank on next week for that and if not we'll address it at some point who knows when all right bitches later <laughs>